Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Pat, you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. What's up, GoBros? This is Jamie Gruber. I'm sitting in for Pat Hyben, guest hosting on the GoBundance podcast. And today, I'm excited to, uh, to bring on a guy that I've known a little bit, multifamily investor, fellow GoBro, Kevin Wood. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Jamie? It's going great, man. I'm excited to know you more about your story. I know some of it, but there's so many layers to this and you've had a pretty, a pretty interesting path. So let's start there. Give us the three, five minute history of, of Kevin Wood. Where were you born right through today? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I was born in Tyler, Texas. So that's in, in East Texas. I've spent most of my life growing up in the greater Houston area. And ended up going to college at Texas A&M. Both of my parents had gone there. Um, got a CPA license. Did the whole accounting thing. I, I got out of school in 2007. That was right around when like Enron had happened. And so there was this huge demand for accountants. And they basically convinced me as a finance major to go into it. And uh, did KPMG, Big Four Accounting, for three years. Really started getting interested in small business at that point. And um, started reading a lot of books on on stuff, and you know, rich dad poor dad. It, Tim Ferriss's uh, first book was also really instrumental for me. The, the four, four hour, hour work week, week. yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, just just that type of like lifestyle design blogs were becoming really popular, and uh, you know, being stuck literally in a windowless room doing audit work for 50,000, you know, 50,000 a year. So I think I was getting paid and working, you know, at, there was a period where I worked 40 days straight, averaging 16 hours a day. I worked like over, I don't know, it was like 500 hours of overtime for the year. And they gave me a bonus of like $150. No (laughs) kidding. Yeah. yeah, At that point, you know, it's like worse to get the bonus than for them just not to give you anything. Cause it's just like, Hey, we just, we just don't care. (laughs) Like, right. right. So, you know, I started fantasizing about growing a small business, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was like, you know, I'll just do the next best thing and go work for a small business. And so uh, I went and worked for a company called worldwide power products in Houston uh, they sold uh, new and used engines and generators. Hmm. And when I started, it was me and the two owners. 
and uh, we were doing about 3 million in revenue a year and then um, started adding some sales guys and growing the business. And within like a 12, 14 month period, we were doing 17 million, which made us one of Inc.'s fastest growing companies. So we were like in the magazine. Wow. And through that, Google reached out to me through LinkedIn, which I thought was fake because, you know, this is at the time when they, uh, you know, you'd see the Wall Street Journal articles about they get, you know, it's harder to get into Google than Harvard and they get over a thousand applications a day and blah, blah, blah. And this lady's like, hey, yeah, you're one of the youngest controllers like in the country. I saw your company's on Inc.'s fastest growing list. Like we'd like to, you know, bring you in for an interview and uh, ended up getting the job. Started out in finance and ended up being a on the product management side on the billing and payment system, internal billing and payment system at Google. Was there for six years while I was at Google, and I started there in 2012. In 2015, I started buying real estate in Houston, where I was from, knowing that eventually I would just go back. It was kind of you know a little like retirement package. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you moved to Silicon Valley, right? This wasn't I did, like- yeah. No, I was at Google headquarters in Mountain View. Gotcha. Um, and I had, I had just always been slowly acquiring properties, was, was planning on coming back at some point. And I don't know, the way kind of software development works is, you know, if you get put into a new area, there's nothing there. You have to build it from scratch. It takes a lot of time. You're putting in a ton of effort to get it going. And I had this project's that lasted, you know, three or four years. And so by the time 2015 rolled around, like I was really rolling, like I had so much infrastructure, software infrastructure developed that the work was very manageable. They were like, Hey, you did such a good job. We're giving you more money and we're putting you in this area where there's no development. And so it went back to like these really long hours of like trying to grind it out. And I was trying to grow a real estate portfolio on the side. And, uh, and tw- this was in 2018 in September of 2018, my appendix ruptured mm-hmm. and I'm 38 and so, right now. So that was, I guess I would have been 36. Six, and the doctor was like, uh, he was like, dude, this isn't normal. Like 36 year olds do not rupture their appendixes. He's like, I've never, he's like, I don't think I've ever even seen this. He's like, this is definitely like stress related. And I had been thinking about going back to Houston anyway. Um, and I was kind of on the fence about it, but he was basically like, you need to make some major like lifestyle changes because, you know, you're, you can't be under this much stress for, you know, an extended period of time. And so that was kind of, you know, my, my forcing function to get me back to Houston and, uh, went back to Houston. I worked, I, I actually worked in like esports for like seven months as like kind of a transitional job, not it ended up being kind of a, a bad opportunity, but it was it was still interesting to kind of go there and do that. And then I ended up going real estate full time in April of 2019. Yeah. So, well, let's okay, we let me let me dissect that a little bit, and we'll talk about family because I know that's a, that's a also you know you're a component of uh, of who you are today, and you know and all of that. But so you you were it was it was December of 2018 that your appendix ruptured, correct? Except September of 2018. September, of and 20. I moved back in October of 2018. You moved back the next month. Okay, at that point, if you if you're comfortable sharing, what was your income? I mean, Google's a big company. You're in product management. Yeah. What was your income like just W two, and then also at that point, what was your horizontal like? Did you have enough of a horizontal? You know, like what was the difference between the two at that point? 
Yeah, I mean, I I I was making I was making anywhere from like three hundred and forty to like four hundred thousand a year, something yep. like that, um, with with the stock options. And I mean, you know, Google was also doing really well during that time. So like, I also had been given a bunch of stock for like signing on. And when I started at the company in two thousand twelve, I think there were thirty thousand employees. And I think by the time I left, there was like you know, several hundred uh, or above a hundred thousand, like maybe 110, 120,000. And so that as the company's growing, obviously like, you know, the market cap increases and stuff. So I also benefited from kind of this run up in growth as well during that period. So what was your, what was your horizontal income like at that point? That's a, that's yeah. a big thing. To um, so by October of 2018, I had all the small multifamilies that I own today, the way kind of, my business worked is I've always just like reinvested that money back into acquiring more property, hiring people to like help grow out the business. And so, I mean, you know, I was maybe, I was maybe not including like my refinances, which I had a few of those, like, you know, probably like, I don't know, 30, 30, 40,000, somewhere in that range, like the year. Yeah, for the year. It was it wasn't a lot because I would always just put that money back back into the business and it would be so the way that we would we would do our projects is we would buy a building that uh needed a lot of work and they were very often small multifamilies between 6 and 20 units and then we would put in a ton of money into fixing them up and I had obviously a lot of capital to be able to do that and then we would refi out that money. So these I'd get these bulk refinances, which I guess is technically vertical income because I'm doing the work on the properties. Yeah, yeah. But the, these these huge refinances were like these large influxes of cash, which then allowed me to go and buy my next property. Um, and during that period as well, I I started just people started saying, "Hey, I just want to give you money to to in, you know invest in real estate." And so I started. Andrew Cushman, who's a, a GoBro, me and him were both on the Bigger Pockets podcast within a very short time frame. I know you were just on there. Congrats recently, on that. Yeah, yeah. Not at your uh, level, brother, but yes, uh, recently on there. Yeah. So I, I was there in 2016, and Andrew Cushman happened to be next right after me, and then David Green was the guy after that. Gotcha. So, so I called both those guys because I was like wanting to meet, you know, other people doing stuff in real estate because this was before Bigger Pockets. Now they have a lot more, I guess you'd say like institutional, like bigger guys on there. But back in yeah. the day, it was just like random people. And so, uh, which I liked and, and I talked to them and Andrew kind of told me about syndication and I was like, maybe that would work for me because I do have, you know, investors that I develop relationships with that have large amounts of capital that I can maybe buy apartment complexes and uh, started out, like I said, buying the small ones and just doing our fix and flips with other people's money. We would still hold on to them, but we would like flip them in terms of increasing the rents, I guess. Um, so maybe that's a misstatement. But then I was like, you know what? I think I can do like a larger syndication on my own. And um, I wanted to be back in Texas for that. And so I would close on my first syndication in June of 2019. So I'd been in Houston less than a year. And then we just closed on our second syndication in 2020 of December. So literally two months ago. Just two months ago. Yeah. Congratulations. That's incredible. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. 
Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. So you leave a $300,000, $400,000 a year job mm-hmm. with, you know, I'm, I'm sure you had some cushion, but with 40000 yeah. a year essentially in, um, in uh, horizontal income. That's, a, that's very interesting because a lot of people are looking at, you know, when do I cut the cord? When do I leave? How do I leave or yeah. whatever? I'm curious because, you know, in the tribe, we've got, you know, a third of, I'm one that, that still have W-2 positions. What's the, what are some of the, 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 the pieces of advice or the considerations you made when yeah. walking away? I mean, I think, I think for sure, obviously, there's the medical uh, situation that happened where, like, I was essentially doing some amount of work seven days a week. And so that was a factor. I also around fall of 2018 started feeling like I was missing out on opportunities Mm. because I was working at Google. So I was missing deal flow, which again, at that point I had 70, somewhere between like 50 and 70 units. I I could look it up, but somewhere in that neighborhood, I had that many units. And so I was very concerned with, you know, missing out on, on opportunities. And then also, Again, you know, I'd talk to Andrew and I would follow up with him kind of once a quarter every so often. And, and syndication is a lot more of there's, there's large burst of a very full-time job. I mean, you've done a little bit of that. There's like periods where it's like, you know, if I'm doing a, my marketing, my marketing memo for a syndication, it's like three or four days. Like that's all I'm doing, you know, 10, 12 hours a day that it's not healthy, but that's how I do it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just lock myself in a closet and just like, look at the numbers over and over again. Um, yeah. Well, I, I have a study now, but I literally uh, was in a closet in an apartment when I moved back to Houston. So I would literally lock myself in the closet where I put my computer and just like type this stuff out. And I realized I couldn't do that at Google. Cause you can't be like, Hey, very demanding W two job. Like I'm going to be gone four days. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen, but at some point, and it, you know, your heart, I guess, stops stops being in it as well because you see the opportunity kind of in front of you. And then on the family side, you know, have now they're they're five and four. I had two young kids. Being both my family and my wife's family live in Houston, so it was a matter of you know being closer to them as well and, and giving them a better quality of life. Uh, we we didn't we weren't really excited about raising kids in in the California Bay Area. Makes sense. Now, so that's so lifestyle design. Tim Ferriss, you were reading about that at some point, and mm-hmm. it took an appendix bursting to give you the high sign, the signal, essentially that hey, you know. 36 year old uh, dude shouldn't have this stuff happening. It's time to make a change. So you walk with 40,000 in horizontal income. I'm assuming, did you trade in some stock to, to fund your life? Or was it more like, Hey, as I get syndication, I get acquisition fee. Like just kind of curious how you, how you bridge the gap. I mean, I guess. So like the, the business that I was in, I was working with uh, a friend from high school who like, we ended up having a massive falling out, but at the time I was working with him and um, we were starting to generate some contracting revenue and stuff. So there was like, there was basically enough there where I could almost break even in terms of the salary I was taking. I was going to be living in an apartment and I had probably, 
I don't know, like 300,000 300, or so in, in, you know, liquid stocks that I could, could exchange. Mm -hmm. And so I, that was a huge cushion and a huge comfort thing for me. And then I got to a place, I got to a place where I was, you know, able to have more, you know, a, a, able to take more money out of the business, essentially. Uh, it, it was just kind of like, it, I, I was able to restructure the business in a way where like, you know, we did a little bit of general contracting for a while. So, okay, let's increase the sales there. I, like all of these things were risk, but I guess the way I think about it is it's like asymmetric bets, you know, that they, they talk about, which is like, if it goes well, then it's going to be really good. If it goes bad, like I can just get a job. I'm a CPA, you know, I can pretty easily pick up a job for like 40 or 50,000 a year. If like, yeah. you know, that's like my worst case scenario is not that bad. Right. And, and so I think, I think that was really the comfort level and having that cushion and then seeing the vision for like what it could grow into. I think that was a big, that was a big piece of it for me. That's amazing. I love that. It's a, that's incredible considerations. All of them. You had a bit of a cushion. I like that asymmetric bet. That's a great point. I think we envision, you know, under a bridge, sitting there, you know, like with nothing coming in. And it's like, that's, I mean, maybe that just doesn't seem realistic. We're all employable to a certain extent, right? I could wait tables yeah. if I need to. I mean, maybe not in COVID, but you get the point. Um, yeah. So no, that's incredible, man. That's very inspiring. And I'm, I appreciate you diving in a little bit on that. Let's dive into some of the, some of the one sheet stuff, your baseball card, as Pat likes to call it, and, mm -hmm. uh, and get to know a little bit more about you across all the gardens. So today, what does your horizontal income look like? And if you want, we talked a little bit of before, if you want to kind of incorporate now that you're syndicating, I know it's more vertical, but how yeah. acquisition fees may play into that, but let's go horizontal and, and you, you fill that in however you want to. Yeah. So, you know, I think anytime I'm, I'm purchasing a property, there's going to be a, a big piece there for me typically like on this last deal i think i'll make i made on the acquisition fee was like 135,000 mm. um and, and it is true like i'm it's vertical in that i'm kind of earning that money but it's also horizontal in the sense that i don't i i don't i don't like actively i i'm not like always actively working on it because our main business what we do is we do property management both like my portfolio is a, is a large piece, but we also do uh, several owners as well. And we do single family and multifamily because I realized that there was an opportunity with my tech background, with my CPA background to kind of solve a lot of those problems that owners have around, you know, financial information, getting the software to work technology. That's a big part of what it is. And then also it would expand my reach. I'd find investors, I'd find brokers, I'd find folks that could develop stronger relationships with, cause I was offering more services. It's true. And, and so we, uh, we started building out that piece and, and 2020 was really good in the sense that it gave me COVID shutdown, gave me a chance to like rebrand and really focus on growing that piece. So, um, I think we added, we more than doubled our company we're at just about 425 doors, but we didn't start marketing till uh, February, March, 2020. Is that all uh, third party 425 or is that including your No, that portfolio? is including mine. And okay. so um, I think, I think before that we were at, we were at like, uh, let me see how many doors we added. I think we added, yeah, we added 258 doors. So we more than doubled wow, wow. Uh, yeah. during 2020. This year, um, yeah. And this was, this was really my first year of like spinning up marketing for that business. And, and anyway, like, so that, that's, that's, 
kind of my vertical. I consider that my vertical income. So that's why I sometimes consider the acquisition fees, you know, horizontal a little bit. Um, I do stuff like, you know, I have a little bit of money in Wealthfront that I do. General ETF funds is like a portion of my portfolio. And other than that, like I'm, I'm pretty heavy, like real estate. Yeah. Um, and so my horizontal income is, is just a function of like cash flow. And, and 2020 was just for us, it was, it was, we had some cash flow, but it was still, it was just a, a, a slower year, you know, because there was like in, in, especially in some of our demographic markets, we had drops of like 5% or so on uh, collections. Um, we also saw as well, there were some, you know, it was, it, we couldn't refinance really between like February and July. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a big part. That's a big part again of like how we, how we get money out of the, out of the units. And so like, you know, my, my horizontal income went a little bit down, but I also, and GoBundance was actually a huge part of this, took advantage of, you know, all the EIDL loan, PPP loan and stuff like that. And so, you know, that, I, I don't know if that goes into vertical or horizontal, but that really boosted. Well, like, let's, let's oh. take that out. So if you just look at, at this point, you were able to refi later, refi, uh, acquisition and cash flow. What's kind of a, a roundabout number of horizontal if you add those three things together? So uh, say if I had refi... Acquisition fee and just general cash flow, like you know, passive. Uh, so, so it was like it's probably it was probably close to around one hundred seventy five hundred hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, um, and I can dig down into that more and like actually figure it out. Um, no, no, I mean that gives a good sense of it. So between those three areas, you you did that, and then can you just expand a little bit? You mentioned because of abundance, PPP and EIDL and all that stuff. What do you mean by that? Because of abundance. Oh, so like when COVID happened. I think the elders did a really good job of like having those calls. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty and panic and it was just constant, like open forum meetings, constant, like, Hey, what are you guys doing to mitigate as much risk as possible? And, and so I felt like there was a resource there uh, to talk about like what loans people had available, like, you know, there was a lot of debate on should you max out your PPP loan? Should you get less? Like for EIDL, should you get as much as possible, et cetera? And there was a lot of debate going on in there. And so I think at least for me, I had a lot of comfort in just knowing what the risks were and what the facts were. And so I was able to get uh, $150,000 EIDL and then I think 67000 in PPP loans for my business. And then another like... 16,000 in one of my real estate entities. And at that same time as well, I mean, I think I would have done a little bit better, but my old business partner that I, that I had, we were like in the process of like splitting up during 2020. So like yeah. that happened in, in January of 2020. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was like, okay, we have an operating agreement, time to split up the companies based on what it says. He's like, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> I, I remember so, this. Yeah. I remember, yeah, this yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it feels really good to be, be through that, but that, you know, took up a lot of time. And I think I ended up spending like $30,000 in legal fees at the end of the day to get us into the spot that I knew we'd get in, which is frustrating. But, you know, that, that also, I think, hindered me a little bit along with COVID in terms of, you know, you know uh, especially growing a, a business, I'm sure you're aware of this as well. Like face-to-face meetings are just so valuable. Yeah. I've done Zoom, I've done Zoom get to know you meetings and they, they're just not the same. You just don't have that, that exchange of, of energy and emotion. And 
whenever I've met with someone one-on-one and I've always like closed the property management, but if you do like phone calls or, or zoom meetings or whatever, I, I, it's just much harder, at least for me to close in, in that moment. And so no, I'm with you, man. I run meetup groups. So that's kind of my thing. Right. And, um, and in person, yeah, deals are there. Capitals there, you know, people get to really feel you. And after that, yeah, we've done, we've worked to make zoom and zoom meetings unique and as interactive as possible. But I've said this, like camera adds 10 pounds. It also takes away like 50% of energy, human energy. So it yeah. is harder in this format where you can just click an end button versus, you know, actually having a, 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 a human connection with somebody. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. All right. So you have how many lines of horizontal income? Just kind of wrapping up on that part of it. How many lines of horizontal income do you have right now? So, I mean, real estate is, is a huge piece for me. And um, I think you had asked uh, how much of my net worth it was. And so I think it's like, I think my net worth is somewhere around like 2.49 million and real estate's 1.75 of that. Okay. So uh, horizontal income, a large portion of that's going to be there. And then um, the other piece would just be like ETFs and stocks, retirement accounts, stuff like that. I mean, sure. you know, having worked a W2 job for over 10 years, like, you know, have a Vanguard account with a couple hundred grand and like some Roth converted IRAs and stuff like that. So that's, that's really my other bucket, I guess. Makes sense. No, yeah. same, same. I'm with you on that. I'm with yeah. you on that. So, and at this point, what percentage are, are we talking about being a hundred percent or covering all of your life expenses with mm. that 175 ish horizontal? What does that make you from a percentage or standpoint or however you might've calculated it with whatever you were using for horizontal? Yeah, I think, I think I calculated that I was around 60%. Okay. Somewhere in that range. So maybe not including the refi proceeds and you yeah. were mentioning maybe not the acquisition fees. And, Those might be more vertical. Yeah. And like I said, I did I did my I did do my one sheet in December, but because I closed on my apartment complex and like done all that and we also added a seventy five unit under management, like I've had a lot of changes in the past like thirty days. So I need right. to I need to like nail down all that stuff. Yeah, the quarter's coming up before you know it. You I, know. Know. I know. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to let's jump over to health. So, give us some stats on you: weight, body fat percentage. Do you have any sense of either of those? Do you track them? I've, yeah. So, I was doing really good. I did seventy-five hard. Finished in That's right. August. I actually finished in Breckenridge on the GoBundance trip. The it was either the first or second day where like my last two days on seventy-five hard. Um, was able to do that. And then just kind of like Christmas, New Year time frame, I just, you know, all the snacks and stuff, put on a little bit of weight back and had injured myself during 75 hard from lifting so much. Um, yeah. So I wasn't in the gym that much in Q4, put on a little bit of weight, but now I'm kind of coming back. I'm at like, I think I'm at like 25, 24% body fat Okay, um, is, is what the gym scale says. And what's your body weight right now compared to where? Uh, 202. Where was it at the, at the base of, uh, of, of 75 hard, if you will, like when you finished like, that? Uh, like 187. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's lean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I want to get back down there. I've been, able, I've been able to put on some more lean mass. So I realized that in, in 75 hard, two things. Like one is like you can push yourself much further physically than you think you can. Sure. It, like a lot of it's mental 
and resilient resilience. And then the other thing um, I realized as well as I like having challenges. So uh, myself and then another member of my team, we're doing a marathon in May oh, and wow. neither one of us have ever run a marathon. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do that in May in Dallas. And um, so we're training for that. And so I'm like, I'm like, dude, I need to get my weight down. And then I'm also lifting in the gym as well. And so, you know, I, I'm slowly, slowly cutting, you know, a couple pounds a week, but also adding kind of some lean mass with, with the training that we're doing. So what's the exercise? I'm sorry. What's the diet look like now? You mentioned kind of the snacks for the holidays. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're training for a marathon and uh -huh. you've got kind of this, you know, mass building, but trying to, trying to get that endurance yeah. muscle down, what do you so, eat? What does that look like? Yeah. So I typically wake up, um, I try to have eggs or, and usually I'll have a protein shake as kind of like a second meal. Um, but I try to get in like at least like 30 to 50 grams of protein in the morning, like right when I wake up. And then I've, I've been doing a lot more in-person meetings because Houston's more or less open up. Mm -hmm. So I'll typically have, uh, I'll either not eat lunch if I'm just in the office, but if I do eat, it's usually because I'm eating out and I'll have a salad with some you know, some protein, usually like fish or chicken, uh, salad. And then my wife's a really good cook. So when I come home, you know, she'll just make normal stuff like, you know, roast or she makes salads a lot as well. And I, though the main thing I I'm not eating a lot of is like starches and like pastas and stuff like that, just cause, uh, that's how you, I can easily like down a whole <laughs> bowl full of, of pasta very quickly. Same. Uh, and then, you know, try to mix in some fruit here and there, but that's been the bulk of my diet really is, you know, just eating a lot of, trying to focus on eating more protein and then a lot of vegetables. Makes sense. Speaking of your wife and, and you mentioned she uh, makes certain meals. Tell me a little bit more about your family, wife, kids. You said five and four right now. Give me a little more detail on that. Yeah. So I, I have two girls, a five and four-year-old, uh, Elowen and Gwyneth. And we're having a boy in uh, a uh, April, April fifteenth. Oh, that due date, that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Another COVID, COVID baby, right? That's true. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so we're having um, we're having a third. And I don't know if you remember this, but like when we were in Breckenridge, we were going through our one sheets, and uh, we were going through like family goals, and and you were just like, hey, I, I just noticed when you talk about your family stuff, there's a lot of like maybe could do, see myself yeah. doing this. There wasn't a lot of certainty. And like, after I left Breckenridge, I bought a house within two, two months, month and a half. I, uh, we also, had, uh, the other thing was like having honeymoon, honeymoon yeah, which is probably, probably baby, <laughs> baby causing. Honeymoon, but <laughs> Sorry about that. But that, that was, we, yeah, we went to Sedona cause that's what we had always talked about doing. We did that within a month and then there was, I'll have to look and see what, what the other items were, but there was like one or two more like family items. So that, that became a huge priority in the second half of the year to like, I had had all these, like, as a family, like we're going to, you know, try to accomplish these things. And like, I, ex I actually went and just like fiercely executed on, on those activities. Uh, you did, man. So I, just, I, remember, I appreciate that. Of course. No, I remember that conversation. I remember right where we were sitting. It was in the lobby in Breckenridge being yelled yeah, at by yeah, the yeah. lady at the front desk because we weren't wearing our masks. And, uh, and yeah, you were, you, I remember that conversation and like instantly you booked, I, I feel like it was there. Maybe it was shortly after you booked the, the honeymoon and yeah. apparently had a kid as a result. So yeah, great for you. Man. I, think <laughs> I, think, awesome. I mean, it was a good, it was a good insight. Cause I guess I like to think of my, 
like when it comes to like business stuff and, and vision and stuff, I have a lot of certainty around that and want to execute it. And I think sometimes, at least for me, like I just want to not have to make decisions in mm-hmm. other areas of my life. But like, you know, I think you did a good job of like pointing out like, you know, Hey, you know, your family needs like leadership in this area. And like, you need to figure out what it, it, you didn't say like you should buy a house. You were just like, you need to figure out which way these things are going to go as okay. a family, figure out what her wants and needs are and then execute on those things. And so like, I think it was a good wake up call for me um, to do that. So, well, you know, it's the value of a tribe like this. And, and just a quick aside is I've, I've talked a, a couple of times in different forums about joining abundance and feeling less than right. Like, mm-hmm. wow, these guys are doing big things and what are, why am I here kind of thing. But I quickly learned that that area, family relationships is a spot that I might be a little bit, that might be where I can add value. That might be something that I kind of, I, I tune into it. I hear it. Right. But there's other areas of my life where I'm not hearing what I'm like you said, like, oh, I guess I didn't, hadn't thought of it that way, whether it's in my finances or my health or whatever. But somebody yeah. like you will call me out on that because you have a, a strength there and awareness there. And that's what I love is when you start to get together with guys and gals in the, in the women's tribe and talk through this stuff. It's amazing how these different superpowers come to light and they help all of us sort of, you know, catch the glow of somebody else's power, which in that regard, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked yeah. out for you, but you, you yeah. also had to take action and you did. And I think another like benefit for me and Go Bonnets, because I mean, we, you know, me and you and, and Phil and a lot of guys came up from, you know, the, the M1 group because we weren't millionaires at the time yeah. when we first yeah. met. And, um, you know, what, what's been good about getting in GoBundance is kind of, I mean, you know, the previous group was March to a million. So it's like you hit it and then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm one of the wealthiest people in this group because I hit the, I hit the goal. <laughs> Yeah. And then you get into go abundance. It's like, Hey, you're, you're, you barely made it in. You're at the bottom now. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's really like, I realized, I realized how actually valuable that is. Cause it does for me. I don't, I don't see it as like, I have an abundance mindset. So I see it as like kind of inspiring to see what other guys are doing for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking to this girl, we were at this happy hour thing and she was asking like how much money you can make, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just came up. She's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, a million dollars, that's so much, blah, blah, blah. And I realized that by being in GoBundance, like it- It's common. It, it's common. And yeah. so being around those group of guys, it pushes you to kind of get to your next better self, you know? Yeah, 100%. We all have it in our life right now. There's something that was that we're doing in our lives right now that was bigger than we ever could imagine or bigger than we thought it could be Any at any level, right? There's somebody yeah. looking at you, looking up saying, wow, to be at that level. But when you're there, it's like, it's what you do, whether it's the nicer car or the bigger house or whatever the case may be. And it's the same principle going into a tribe like this. Like when you hear people talking about five, 10, $15 million transactions on the regular, it just, be, you become numb to it. It becomes your life, what you're used yeah. to hearing. It doesn't seem so big anymore. So, well, and I think, I think, yeah, speaking to that even idea as well is like, it makes you feel like more is achievable. Mm-hmm. So like with me, you know, had I not been a member of GoBundance, like this last deal I did, I had to raise $3.2 million. It almost fell out. I had 260,000 hard at one point of my own money. Like, but like with GoBundance, there's like guys that are doing, $20 million deals or $30 million. So it feels very achievable because mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I, I know so-and-so did that. Or like, you know, when I was going through with my business partners getting really stressful, I like asked on the forums and like, 
you know, David and like Pat and these guys are like, Oh yeah, this stuff's happened to me. Do a, B and C. And like, like one of the things he said that ended up being that David said that ended up being huge was he was like, do not, do not maintain any ties whatsoever. Like this is, that's not going to be healthy for you. Cause that was my plan of like split evenly and like try to be fair. He's like, don't maintain any ties. And in hindsight with kind of how we've even continued to go further apart, that was like life-saving advice almost in a way, like in hindsight. And it was, it was, it was the obvious answer, but when you're in it, you know, you don't necessarily know. And having experienced people say, no, you should do this. Cause I've been in this situation is, is so valuable for me at least. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. I completely agree. All right, let's talk about some uh, some things around accountability. Like, tell me about your GoPod. Who is in it right now, and how often do you meet? Yeah, so I've got I've got Joe, Brendan, John, Anthony. I don't know everyone's last name. Mike. Uh, let me look up the email so I get everyone's last name. Mike's <laughs> last name is Del Sesto. Okay. And then uh, let's see. Anthony Vigilante, Joseph Calasuno, he's, he's going to have to tell me how to say that. Matt Linza. Not in Allentown, yeah. Matt Linza, and then Brendan Lawrence. Oh, uh, pod. And uh, John Brooks is also. Oh, John's in there too. Wow, that's a really good pod. And, and you meet what, weekly, bi-weekly? We meet, we meet weekly every Tuesday, 7.45 a.m. Central. Nice. And what's the kind of t- current discussion in your, in your pod or the recent discussion? Um, I mean, I think, I think what we've kind of settled on that's been helpful is um, we have everyone review their one sheets. Uh, we've won't, I guess every quarter. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is then each guy is, goes in order. We have an order. Each guy goes and like, you follow back up and like, how are you doing on your goals? What do you need help with? What ideas are you looking at? And I think, you know, I think for us, like there's, at least for me too, I think a lot of us are trying to learn, get to that next step. There's a lot of value in just being curious around, you know, what everyone's doing. I think we've got a healthy amount of like challenging each other as well. And I think too, like we've implemented some attendance accountability and stuff, which I think had a big improvement on, on how the group was doing. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had a, I've had a blast doing it. Mike and I, I think both joined the group in like May because we were, we were part of, we were in Aspen and got put into a pod that kind of broke apart. Some guys ended up not joining or ended up deciding they didn't have time for pods. And, and so we then joined this one. It's been really good. Gotcha. Very cool. No, it does. It takes sometimes uh, two, three, I've heard four or five times to find the right pod, but once you click, man, it's, it can be magic. What's the, what's a big business goal and maybe a big personal goal that you're asking them to hold you accountable to maybe something this year on your one sheet? Well, I mean, so like, um, let me turn this, like Matt, Matt Aitchinson got me on this. I I made a vision board for the year. (laughs) So my big, like one thing goal, which is at the top of that vision board. And this is actually my team members kind of bumped this goal up, but she wants to add a thousand doors this year, which I, th- I think is really aggressive on the property management side. I would be extremely happy if we added 300 doors, but if I have employees that want to shoot for the moon, like let's go for it. Yeah. You what know, one at 750, you know, like, Hey, yeah, not bad. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I think, I think for us just starting out, it's uh it's tough to get those large apartment complexes because a lot of the syndicators are in LA or 
you know, coming from Boston or, or, you know, other parts of the coast. And they're like, well, I, I don't know you guys. I know Graystar, so I'm going to go right. with them. And so for us to break into that, like we're looking at, you know, how are we marketing? But what we've been focused on in Q1 is just like face-to-face meetings. And so we have a metric of meeting two people per week face-to-face and we're exceeding that right now. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if Gerbos haven't done it, like Matt Agenson, who's also a GoBro, like yeah. he's got a video on how to make one online, which is amazing. <laughs> it's so much easier than the, the cutting out model. And I will say that it's been a game changer for me. I just completed it in December. Oh, good. I'm going to look that and, up because I've always just yeah snipped it out of uh, of whatever. Or, or no, it's it it's off. it's great and like yeah, I've I've just had sort of like synchronicity type situations happening with just I feel like I feel like I'm in a, a really strong there's really strong momentum uh, happening right now and, and that you know we're we're moving we're moving along here. I love it, man. I love it. So now you've been to two trips that I know of Aspen in January, 2020, right before COVID and then Breckenridge in yeah. uh, August of 2020. If, I, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And right? I joined Go Abundance in Aspen. I, I joined a little That's later right. than you guys. Right. You were a guest of Phil's, I think at that, right? Phil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What's the, give me two, three big takeaways that you get from being at those, at those meetups. It doesn't have to be a, a, a you know, it could be general or it could be a specific scenario situation. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think the conversations are are healthy. I mean, what I like about GoBundance maybe more so than even other groups I've been in is there's uh, and I, I think this is you know something that I think David and and Pat and Tim kind of just have instilled in the culture of GoBundance is there's just a lot of curiosity that that happens like you know when you're talking to people it's not at least the conversations I have it's not really about like comparing like who's doing better or whatever it's kind of just more of curiosity like what are you doing how are you doing that like what do you think what do you think the markets are doing like how do you think about business and you know i think everyone here has been humbled enough to know that like maybe i don't know everything and and so that's been a big thing that i get out of the group is just people are curious they make you better because they ask you questions about what you're doing and like have you thought about this why aren't you doing that like that sort of stuff so that's been good. I, I mean, I think as well, getting face to face with like uh, GoPod members and stuff, I think you have a tighter connection when you've actually been together in person. So that that's a big aspect of it as well. And I think, I mean, it, I guess, you know, we, I've only been to Aspen and Breckenridge, but I guess I've known you guys longer. I think when you go on these trips, it's nice to like follow up with people that you haven't seen in a while and kind of see how they've been growing. Because I think, you know, I think that's what's unique about being in accountability groups is like almost everyone in those groups, especially if they're, you know, increasing their net worth, it's like they're a different person and you get to see their growth and kind of celebrate that as well. So that's that's probably something I really enjoy as well, seeing people again, seeing what they've done, seeing what they followed up on, what they're passionate about now. So, you know, I guess all that ties into community. And then I, I like the speakers as well, but for me, I get more value out of the one-on-one conversations. I agree. And you, you made a couple of points there. One is, you know, mentioned curiosity. And I've actually, I, I had the experience because of, uh, of building Emergent Send of spending a couple of days with, uh, with uh, Pat, David, and Tim um, in Austin. And it's funny, I actually wrote this. I think I dropped it in the tribe. Like, hey guys, here's my takeaway from hanging out with the elders for a couple of days. 
And number one was they're curious. It's exactly what you said. They have instilled that culture. It, it went down to even a quick story of being at lunch and the, uh, the, the, the waitress had said, um, oh, we're paying with this new app. If I pay through this new app or whatever, this is like middle of COVID, right? So they don't all touchless, but it wasn't like PayPal or anything like that. Or it was just some new app and Pat like glasses on. He wanted to research that. Like, well, what is this? How does it work? Who, who's it from? Is it owned by a large, like he was, he was thinking, is this an investment opportunity or whatever? Right. But he was just really curious. And the same with David, he's talking to all these people around the restaurant before we, before we sat down to eat, just asking questions. It wasn't him going around shaking hands, like as the rock star, he was the most curious guy in there. So that's a really interesting insight on your part. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the other yeah. part real quick on go meeting uh, your go pot. We, my GoPod and I bonded, no doubt, when we met in Orlando about three months after we, uh, or six months after we started together. From that point on, it's been a complete different experience, a better experience. Not that it was bad before, but meeting in person, to your point yeah. about face-to-face, -face, it's just different. So, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I would add, I think, you know, it, when I talk to people about becoming a millionaire, I think, I think that's really important curiosity. I think the number one thing that I've found across some millionaires is the ability, the ability to be okay with delayed gratification, mm. I think is, is probably number one. Like every single person I've talked to in go abundance that's done well, they have periods where they're like, yeah, I wasn't earning really anything. And I talk to a lot of young people that want to be millionaires and I want to help them become millionaires, but it's like, well, no, I, I, I just, like I, I read about that guy that he bought some Bitcoin and he spent 10 bucks and now he's multimillion. That's what I want to do. I want to do that thing as opposed to like, you know, 99% of the millionaires that we come across are like, I did this thing for a long time. It wasn't making money. And, you know, I just kept learning, kept learning, kept being insanely curious about how it worked, kept iterating, iterating. And then, and then something clicked and I got there and they, they had that period of I'm willing to wait for the rewards and, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's, that's also great a advice. benefit. Yeah. 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 That's great advice. Cause you're right. You do hear those stories and it makes you realize like, stay the course. I just had that recently with a business. I mean, it's like, it feels like it's ready to monetize, right? It feels like it's ready to really kind of ramp up, but am I taking too long? It's like, I just kind of sunset. It. And then you hear people like, man, I did this for six years and I just, I loved it. I poured into it. And then, well, bigger pockets is an example, six mm -hmm. years of making nothing. And now look at it, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a juggernaut. And I think Josh Dorkin's doing, doing just fine, you know, as far as, uh, as far as yeah. what he got from, from selling it. So let's, uh, let's shift over to a, a, a question out of a random question out of the GoBundance card game. And so I shuffled this deck on the app. You can go to the GoBundance app. You can, anybody could download it. There's a members only section, but you can get this card game. It's a really fun, fun thing to do. Here's my question for you. Describe a time you showed up for someone when they needed it most. Showed up for someone when they needed it most. Oh, man. Hmm. Man, I guess it's funny. I guess what comes, what comes to mind, I have a brother that's like a year younger than me. And what, com what comes to mind <laughs> is there was this time where he was, he was like getting beat up and I like walked up and like, beat up the guy that was, that was fighting. I mean, I was in like junior high, yeah. uh, but like he definitely needed me like in that moment. Uh, that's kind of a, a like childish answer. Um, no, not at all. Well, you talked about your wife, right? I mean, I, the, the honeymoon, you know, I mean, that, that was, there was a, there was a point to that where you were saying, man, she wants this, she wants this, she wants this, but your mind was focused elsewhere. 
did you find after you did take her on the honeymoon and do whatever else, whatever actions you committed to um, Mm -hmm. at that point, did that, was she somebody that you showed up for maybe in that moment? I mean, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think you try to show up for people in little ways all the time. And, you know, I mean, that's, what's great about kids, right. Is like sometimes showing up's just like, let's play Uno, you know, and they like lose their minds with excitement. <laughs> like I, I, I love that about game. kids. Yeah, yeah. I love that about kids. It's like, they're like, I'm like, dude, I, how excited you are about cereal right now. Like I can't remember being this excited in the last 10 years. Like yeah, yeah. there's a certain joy to that. Um, That's a and, great point. That's yeah. a great point. Now my kid, my son, my five-year-old loves Uno. It's the, it's his late night. He gets one late night a week and he wants to play Uno because his little brother goes to bed, you know, same time every night, two years old, but the five-year-old, he gets his late night Friday or Saturday night with mom and dad. And we play Uno. It's funny that you said that. So yeah, yeah that's a great, that's a great game. It's good for kids. They love it. Absolutely. So Kevin, where can people find out more about you? Is there a social media handle or a, or a website you could direct um, them to? So they yeah, can I mean, you? stagecoachmanagement.com is our, our website. And that just is our, our property management website. I also, you know, I, I'm on the Facebook group, obviously, but I don't post independently on Facebook too much. I'm, I actually post on Twitter the most. So I've, I've really enjoyed that. I, I guess I'm a written word type guy. And What's your also, handle there? It's uh, Kevin A. Wood, I think. Wow. No number. You just got Kevin A. Wood. Good for you. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. See, my name's not, not that common, right? <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I, I really like, I, it's been really good for me because I interact with a lot of uh, real estate guys on there and I've, particularly the property management business, there's not a lot of a good education out there. And so um, I network with a few property managers on there and have developed some relationships with guys where, you know, we can discuss new ideas and stuff like that. And so I, I really enjoy uh, posting on there. Love it, man. Love it. Well, if everybody can look you up at Kevin A. Wood on Twitter. Uh, I really appreciate being on from CPA to Google, back to Houston and financially free, inspiring story, man. I love hearing it. So appreciate you being cool, here today. Man. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see you again soon. Yeah, hopefully uh, three weeks. Maybe I didn't. I I had not signed up. Um, Let's get you there. We're gonna I, get you I, there. I, I for sure I'm gonna go to the fall trip though. Um, okay. Because like I had originally not scheduled it because my closing got delayed and I was closing on December 11th. Got it. And I was like, man, I can't. I can't be gone. I got like my first four or five weeks are so huge for onboarding a property. Yep. But, I get it. Cool. I get it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. See you, man. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you can see.